and welcome to the Midlands Football Show, brought to you by Prost International. I'm Alex Wood, and yet again, I am joined by the three Stooges, the three legends, the other three, as we all call them, um, Nikita Gomez-Henschel. Hello. Mr. George Wilson. What an introduction. How are you doing, Alex? <laughs> I'm brilliant. Thank you, my friend. And of course, Harry Tizard. How are you doing, Harry? I'm not doing too bad. I thought it was the third person that was supposed to ask Alex how he's doing. George. You've ruined it. You've ruined it already. Just let's pack it in. Yeah, I, I apologise. I apologise for that. I, I did kind of disrupt the routine there, didn't I? Speaking of disrupting the routine, George, how was the routine of going to watch Norwich play football every single week this weekend? Um, well, we didn't really play a lot of football on Saturday. It was more watching us try and get the football, but not quite manage it. Um, no, it, it was a really good day out despite the result. Um, I didn't really expect us to get anything at the Etihad. Um, and that was how it turned out in the end. But I think we've kind of been screwed over. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? So rude in the middle of George's call. You'd love to see it. <laughs> my mum. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Don't worry. Absolutely. That is not getting cut out. That's getting kept in and everything. <laughs> Harry Tizard, how was, how was Southampton? You know what? It wasn't too bad. I had to get up really, really early. Well, I say really early in the morning. It was only about half seven to get back from a lovely holiday in Bristol. But I got to the stadium about an hour before kickoff because there was so many ticketing problems. And thankfully, I wasn't part of that. But I think it cost about 70 quid overall and everyone got a refund. So as a free ticket, we drew against Manchester United and we got points on the board. So I'm looking forward to facing your side, Newcastle, next week. And hopefully we'll get our first three. Yeah, it's interesting you say about the queues outside the ground because I, I think that's been an issue at a lot of grounds for the first home game in terms of like changeover of tickets because I guess if there's been a year with no one in, then people's season tickets are just failing to scan on the gate and things like that. I, I, I think it's a surprise really that it has happened because you might have expected a queue if they were checking for COVID when they went in, but they're not even doing that, are they? So it's a bit of a problem. Hopefully it's solved. It's a, hor- it's a horrendous start for Saints as well, because I think the day before the game, so many people didn't have their season tickets, so they had to go to the ticketing office. There's five offices open. Only three of them were actually open themselves. They've just they've had a horrendous few days. and they, I think they'll, lo- they'll probably lose about £2 million. If it's a full stadium, they'll probably lose about £2 million overall, which is not great for your first home game since COVID. But you know, it's a good PR move to give everyone a refund. At least, the res- at least the result was okay, I suppose. Yeah, very true, very true. With Southampton eating into that Danny Ings money, we will go to another <laughs> uh, another Danny Ings former club. And Nikita's sat, just sat there, like, with the giantest smile on, on her face because she's the only one that got a win this weekend. It's okay, Liverpool are back, everything like that. Um, yeah. Diego Jota's amazing, that's it. And Tosmika's Greek god in the back, I'm so happy with him. <laughs> I think I'm really worried for Robertson, but... Yeah, I'm really happy with my team at the moment and nervous for this weekend. Obviously, my brother's a Chelsea fan, so it's going to be a big household rivalry. And yeah, not going to the game. Wish I was. I entered a raffle, though, to get hospitality tickets. So imagine. Absolutely. Um, And then, um, yeah, we'll get on to Newcastle later on in the podcast because they played one of the Midlands clubs. So, um, yeah. Yeah. 
my lack of wanting to speak about Newcastle United tells you everything. Um, tells you no, you were, everything. you were hard done by on the weekend. I, I, I'm willing to back Steve Bruce up on that when we get to it. Absolutely. But anyway, we will not start there. We will start at the London Stadium. West Ham United, Monday Night Football, 4-1 victors over Leicester City. Guys, West Ham United aren't falling off. What's going on here? It's a bit mental to say after one game that they're not falling off. There's still plenty of the season to go. However, obviously, it started brilliantly with that four nails goal. Ben Rama, he did play a great ball into the box. He just sweeps it in and that, that home stadium just erupted. But they, they seriously weren't helped by that Iosi Paris red card. In real time, I thought he just shrugged him off the ball. Game plays on and four nails has maybe gone down too easily. I look at the replay and I'm like, that is a horrendous challenge. Accident or not, either way, I'm not too sure. But yeah, that ruined the game for Leicester completely. And yeah, by, by that point, 10 men, you, you've got little chance, especially when you're 1-0 down already playing away from home. Yeah, I'd sympathise with Perez a little bit because I don't think he's a very malicious player. I, I think, and you'll know that, Alex, having seen him at Newcastle. But I think um, it was just really dangerous, wasn't it? That The way that he kind of planted well he didn't plant his foot but it, it, it just scraped down um the leg so I think it probably was the right call in the end um and like Harry said it, it was always going to be tough from that point onwards yeah I, I think you could say that they didn't adapt well enough after that throughout the game and you're also looking at West Ham and it's kind of the same tactics as last season and um, you're looking at Leicester and throughout the second half, they looked a bit lethargic. So I don't know if that's something to worry about so early on, but it's definitely something to look at. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a bit confused about why they've moved from the two strikers to the one striker. I look at Jamie Vardy, like they've only scored two goals in their opening two games. And Ian Atchew is in brilliant form at the end of last season, now finds himself on the bench. And I think if, you, if, you're, if you're a player in form, even though it was a couple of months ago, yes, that they did they did last play a league game before the start of the season. I think it's absolutely mental to move away from the two strikes to the one striker formation. Yeah, I think last night was obviously difficult for them, but I think when Mikel Antonio is in the form that he is and bullying people like he is, I think he, he is very difficult to stop. A lot was said on Sunday afternoon about how good Romelu Lukaku's debut was. And I think Antonio's got a lot of similar strengths to Lukaku. Um, and I think West Ham are pretty lucky to have him, to be honest. And he could easily fit in at probably a, a bigger team. I, I say that almost in quote marks. Obviously, people won't see those, but a bigger team, as in a, a big six team, whatever, a team pushing for the title. Um, but I also think Leicester do seem to lack a bit of composure at the back at the moment. And that's obviously not helped by Wesley Fofana's injury. But Soyuncu had a difficult game last night. And obviously his mistake for the second one was was the reason the second goal went in. Like the back pass was too short. Antonio Pantzis, Ben Rama scores. Um Obviously, it's great for everybody that has been around in their fantasy team. Um, I'm not saying who it is, but yep, your boy does. I, I been around in my fantasy team. Very good. Very good. Have you got there. Antonio though? I don't. I sacrificed. Well, that's where this week. That's where you're missing out. You said you you took him out this week. I did. I took him out this week. I put Danny Ings in instead. That is. I mean, you, you've not done too badly. Like you've you done okay. 
but after after he's played well against Newcastle, you don't take a player out after he scores. That's it's anyway, utterly mental. That's anyway, we'll save that for the fantasy podcast. We'll save that for the fantasy football <laughs> podcast, right? We'll leave that one for that one. Yeah. Um, but obviously now that we've we've mentioned Michel Antonio, we need to mention the fact that he's now West Ham's all-time Premier League goal scorer. Um, his celebration when it was officially the record was great. Um, he's a really, really good guy off the pitch by the looks of things. He gives great interviews and amazing stuff. Um, but Leicester City are obviously our focus here. Um, why did it go so poorly? Obviously, they're sending offs there, but we're talking Leicester City. Uh, before the season, we were talking these guys are going to be top four pushers or maybe fifth place. Why did they struggle so much today? I think it is a difficult one. I think you look at the centre-back situation that George alluded to earlier. They've brought in Vestergaard only for him once again, or not once again, but him to be injured. So they've once again had to put Amasi in there. And then it's the one-striker thing where that we mentioned earlier. And then Perez, you know, I'm still not 100% convinced that he is at Leicester's level. And I think a lot of Leicester fans aren't convinced at the same time. Harvey Barnes has only just really got back from injury. Madison, all of the question marks over him and his future. I think every, there's just question marks everywhere. There's no sort of certainty apart from Casper Schmeichel being in goal. Yeah, I think the thing with Leicester as well is that we're not used to them having an off day, really. They've been so consistent over the last, what, two, three seasons. And their collapse has always come at the end. That They've always started really strongly. So this is strange to see them, you know, lose heavily like that. But um, I think it's it's only one defeat as as we speak so we don't know how it's going to escalate but often in the past when they've had one defeat it has been followed by a, another couple of poor results personally i'm hoping that is the case um no offense <laughs> lester um but we'll we'll see how it pans out the this best, is perfect oh sorry you go i was going to say the best thing for them now after this defeat is to just move forward look get focused and look at saturday's games where they can or maybe pick up a few points sorry George <laughs> <laughs> you'd expect them to but then Norwich did get four points against them last time they were in the Premier League and then you look at the other fixtures though Man City yes that's going to be difficult however they did do too badly against them last season and then they got Brighton and Burnley so through their next four fixtures if they're going to pick up wins if they're going to get points on the board it's going to be those games if they don't then it could be it could be a long month for October nope it could be a long month for Brendan Rodgers Sorry, that made me really laugh. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't know why I went to October. It's September, but you know, it just just went straight to my head there. Went straight to it. Anyway, we'll move on to another return. Um, Nuno Espirito Santos return to the Molyneux Stadium as Wolves fell to Tottenham Hotspur one nil. Um, was it a penalty for Spurs? Let's go there. Yeah, I think it was. I think Jose Sarr has come out a little bit haplessly. Maybe he just rushed out way too quickly. Deli Alley knew what he was doing. I know some people have suggested that he kind of lent himself into Saab, but if you're rushing out that quickly, then, you know, you're not giving the ref. You're giving an you're giving Ali a chance to get a penalty. That's what he's doing at that very moment in time. But apart from that, I think Saab had a pretty good game. He had a good few saves and the game was very, very even. I think Wolves... You'd probably say for the second game in a row, we're quite unlucky not to get anything out of the game. I look, I sort of deep dive into their stats. This game, they had 25 shots. Last time they had 17. So for the mathematicians out there, that makes 42. And over the next two, over the previous two games, they've also had an XG of 3.1. So 
they're creating chances to get goals. You know, I think Atriori's had 10 shots in the last two games. I think I think Jimenez has had eight, Trincao's had six. I think I'm, I'm 90% sure of saying that. So all their attackers are getting the shots off. They're just, they can't get it past the goalkeeper. But it's encouraging signs because they're not going to lose every single game 1-0 if they keep creating the amount of chances that they do. Yeah, they really are lacking that cutting edge, aren't they? And I, I think, um, I'm, I'm not sure if we touched on it last week, but it's silly to expect Jimenez to come back and just immediately be the same Jimenez that he was before after the injuries had. Um, I think Wolves probably would have known when they went 1-0 down to a team managed by Nuno, having seen just how solid defensively he can be in the years gone by. They probably thought we might struggle to get back into this and that was how it turned out. Um, I think probably over the next week, before the window closes, they'll be looking at bringing in some more firepower. Who knows? Maybe, Nikita, they should be giving someone like Morgan Gibbs-White more time on the pitch to try and make an impact. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think he should start tonight against, um, who did they play against? Nottingham Forest, <laughs> another Midland yes, side. in the Carabao Cup. I think he'll get a chance tonight. If he does really well, maybe that is an option for Bruno going forward. So, yeah. Thing is, when when you oh, <laughs> when you when you've lost your opening two games, do you switch up the sides and try and rest the players and then go to the next game because then they've got Manchester United, or do you play your first team and go, no, let's make sure we win this game. It's a Notts Forest team that's probably been the poorest in the top four divisions. Make sure we get the win, and then that's when the momentum starts. To be honest, I think there's a very very slim chance that they do that mainly because this game is coming like only 48 hours after they played Tottenham. And I think Bruno Large has acknowledged that and, you know, addressed the fact that the the scheduling seems a little bit strange. Why not just do it on the Wednesday? I don't know. Um, so I think we probably will see the likes of Gibbs White, Chem Campbell um, being given a chance. Um, so maybe they put themselves in the ring for Man United. I'm not sure. But as we've touched on, it is two defeats for, for Wolves. And I think it's the first time they've started with two defeats since 2003. But I think they will take a lot of positives with them. Yeah. Just Alex, he's still your statistic there. Just robbed me <laughs> stat. Just absolutely robbed it. Uh, because yes, I was going to say, with those, with those first two losses of the season, Wolves fans do not get disheartened because of what Harry said previously. 42 shots in two games. That's more than Newcastle had in the entirety of January and February last year. Like, <laughs> come on, stop it. We're clearly, we're clearly all looking in the right places for the stats, aren't we? Or, or in, <laughs> in the same places. I was going to say that was like full stat of, stat of the pod and everything like that. I was so excited for it. <laughs> and then it's just robbed last second out of my hand. Anyway, moving on. Um, Oh, God. Let's go to it. Let's do it. Let's go to Villa Park. Aston Villa 2, Newcastle United nil. Danny Ings, what a goal. Yeah, I, I guess everyone's, just everyone's staring at me just because he used to be a former Saints guy. And that's that's what you get <laughs> with Danny Ings. He scored a penalty last week. I know they did lose 3-2, but he got himself off the mark. And then what a way to open yourself up to Villa Park. The overhead kick, the knee slide. For me, it feels a bit shallow because it's not at St. Mary's or in a Saints shirt. But it's his signature celebration. And you might as well when you've just scored an absolutely unbelievable goal as well. 
Yeah, I think they were really good. They started out slow, but once they got settled in the game, I don't think they gave Newcastle a chance. Sorry, Alex. Uh, Jacob Ramsey, John McGinn and Danny Ings were all incredible. I think it shows that they can play without Grealish. I don't think it should be a question from now onwards. Yeah, I think that win was important to kind of remove those question marks. I don't think Dean Smith was particularly impressed by the overall performance but he did say it, it was more important to get the result which you can understand after that game against Watford um, and Alex you, you've already mentioned fantasy football I have to say I, I was a little bit disappointed that after <laughs> that penalty at Watford last week that Ings didn't step up again um, this week it was El Ghazi who scored the penalty but I won't lose too much sleep over that um, we <laughs> should probably mention the VAR calls as well though um, Alex, because I think Newcastle, per- personally, I think they were really hard done by with those. What did you make of it? Tri- obviously, 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 try try and speak about it without your black and white hat on. But in terms of um, like the new VAR that we've, we've got this year um, and how it's been changed and how it's been adapted, we. It is working. The flow, the flow of the game is brilliant. Um, Southampton Man United is a perfect example. Um, just before the, the Saints goal, where Bruno Fernandes was fouled, he wasn't fouled. He bought the foul and and did everything that. Referee plays on and VAR allows it because that's the way the new system works. We've also apparently got thicker lines this year to allow more of a leeway for attackers. But yeah, again, to use Bruno Fernandes as an example, Bruno Fernandes against Leeds was allowed that thicker lines in exactly the same distance that Callum Wilson was against Matty Cash this weekend when Joe Willett played the ball over the top to win the penalty. And yeah, Callum Wilson's offside, Bruno Fernandes isn't. It's, yeah, whatever. But it was a penalty. It probably should have been allowed. The offside decision, whatever you want to say, whether thin lines, thick lines is correct because he is offside according to the new VAR system. But it was a penalty. Callum Wilson should have scored an earlier opportunity when it was 0-0 one-on-one against um, the very keeper whose name has completely gone out of my mind. Martinez. That's it, Martinez. I was going to say Sanchez, but he's Brighton's goalkeeper. Um, (laughs) Martinez, he should have scored a one-on-one. But apart from that, yeah, um, Newcastle made it very easy for Villa. Yeah, one one concern or... I don't know. It depends the way you look at it. The four shots on target that Aston Villa have had in their opening two games have all been goals. And you can look at it in terms of that they're clinical when they get the opportunities. Or you could go, well, they're just not getting they're not getting shots on target. They may not be creating good enough chances to get closer to the box or close enough to the goal to get those shots on target. So depending on the way you look at it, it could be a good thing, but also it could be a slight worry as well. Because I, I wouldn't say, like George said, I wouldn't say Aston Villa are necessarily excellent. i just say Newcastle, once again, were just, just a bit underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. It's... go on, Alex. Sorry, to, to just counter that completely, um, Harry, the reason why that is that is there is because as soon as um, Newcastle went 2-0 down, um, Bruce put five at the back and then shoved Isaac Hayden in there to make a six-man wall. Watford did exactly the same thing last week. So like, when, you, when you've got literally six men behind the ball at all times against like your front three because Villa are down and they've got to kind of mark against the counter-attack and they know that the counter-attacking sides of Watford with Ismail Assar and Newcastle with Alan St. Maximum are deadly there, you kind of have to. So that's why the, the opportunities not, aren't really coming for Villa, I would say. 
True, but they still have had a lot of shots. You know, I think the first game they had 11 or this game they had 11. I think it was the last one. This game that they just had, I think they had nine. So four shots on target from 20 overall. I don't care where you take the shots from. You should be trying to hit, challenge the keeper. And if two of those are from penalties, that means they've had two two shots on target in the opening two games, which is from open play, which still for me is a bit worrying. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting for them as well um, when Ollie Watkins comes back and is ready to start because you would think Villa are going to want to have him and Ings in the same team. Um, are they going to go with two up front? I'm not too sure. I, I've got a feeling they're going to maybe go with Watkins out wide, but then that means you have to sacrifice another wide player. I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a headache for Smith, but it's a good headache to have because they've got good options there. Um, that will do for part one. In part two, we will cover the championship. Welcome back to part two, where we cover everything to do with the championship. Uh, this is the Midlands Football Show. Obviously, I'm still joined by Harry Tazard, Nikki Gomes Henshaw and George Wilson. I'm Alex Wood. Let's get on to us, Brom. Um, 4-0, Sheffield United. Oof. What a game that was. And then, obviously, um, this weekend, a 2-0 win over Blackburn Rovers. Um, West Brom are firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. And they're making the most out of the players they have at the squad. And I think their, their tactics brilliant. I think their transfer, transfers have been brilliant. You look at the Sheffield United game. They sc- I believe two of their goals came from the long throw-ins. The game before that, they scored from a long throw. The game before that, I'm pretty sure they also scored from a long throw as well against Bournemouth, they did. So Furlong's been used excellently down that right-hand side. And he's going to be a real proposition if they do go up. And if they don't go up this season, I think he'll be a Premier League player whichever way it goes because he's a fantastic attacking right-back. And then you look at the midfield. In the Championship, when they were there the first time, they had Livermore and Sawyers. But I think they got four goals between them, I'm pretty sure. Something very minimal. Alex Moat comes in. Vincent Ismail's own player really from Barnsley on a free he got seven goals and eight assists last season back-to-back games he's got a goal and if anyone hasn't seen his strike against Blackburn you only have to watch 27 seconds of the game to see it because it's absolutely unbelievable yes he does try about three of those every game so statistically one of them will go and I remember seeing them at Woking and he smashed one over the top of the stadium I'm pretty sure but when they do go in they look absolutely unbelievable and that's that's two and two for him yeah, I think there were a few, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there were a few West Brom fans who questioned that signing a little bit when it was made, purely because um, they're not sure how Moat would fare if they were to go straight back up. But I think what it's, what he has proven and what West Brom have proven um, in the first few games is that he's more than capable at this level. And the fact that Ishmael has worked with him closely before, he was his captain at Barnsley, as you said, Harry. Um, I think that looks like a really smart piece of business and he, he could be a really solid option moving forward, even if they do go up, because I don't think Ishmael is going to want to dump him. Um, and I also think, looking ahead at their EFL Cup game against Arsenal, that's on Wednesday night, of course. We don't know when people will be listening to this. I think West Brom should really fancy their chances in that. I know we're not sure how seriously they might take it. They might make a few changes, but I'd almost make them favourites in that, given the state that Arsenal look in at the moment. 
Favorites might be a difficult one, but I, I I'm a similar like of a mindset similar to you because you know look at the way Arsenal are playing. Yes, they're against Brentford and they Lukaku's a lot better than Carl and Grant. However, they, they don't they seem mental Arsenal do seem mentally broken. And you look at West Brom, they are they're on the top form, absolutely top form. They score goals for fun. And similar to what you said about Moat, yes, maybe we, we don't know if he's a Premier League player, but I think you're more than okay to have those sort of in-between players that will get you into the next league. I know West Brom did go down last season, but you look at the Livermore and you look at uh, Romain Soros, who's now at Stoke, who we'll talk about later. Who, who you know is probably going to be a very good signing for. You can have those players that get you into the next league, and that's when you have to invest. And that's probably where West Brom struggled last season. The fact that Bardi and Garner and uh, Pereira they didn't really invest quality Premier League signings. However, next season if they do go off, I think I think they will do. So yeah, I think oh, good week good week all round for for any West Brom fan. Yeah. Also the the start of Alex Mara. Um, Scoring within, um, I think you said 27 seconds there, Harry. Um, that's the quickest goal this season in our top leagues in England. So um, congratulations, Alex Mauer. You've scored the quickest goal so far. It was a banger as well, honestly. If Harry, has, if Harry hasn't <laughs> sold it enough, I'm selling it even more. It's a great goal. Go and watch it. Um, I think the build-off was brilliant as well. I think they smashed the crossbar. It just sort of went all the way across. But yeah, 2-1. So I think they'll be a bit disappointed not to keep a clean sheet. Sam Johnson did make a mistake for that one. But if they keep him, I think he's going to be you know, a key reason why they're going to go up. Because I don't think they will keep a lot of clean sheets this season, the way they like to attack. But if they win every game 2-3-1, or I think they'll be more than happy with that. And also, Ben Brenton Diaz is absolutely incredible. Yeah, the name itself, really. <laughs> right, move on to um, the, the side that Harry mentioned in his massive, massive torrent there. Stoke City, um, a 3-1 win versus Swansea and a 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest. It could have been seven. It possibly should have been seven against Forest. But anyway, another good week for Stoke City. Um, we said before the season, look, at, look out for them. Martin O'Neill with a full, uh, sorry, Michael O'Neill with a full um, season and a full summer with these guys will be really, really thingy. They do have Fulham at the weekend, so it'll be a very, very big test for them. But no, Stoke City guys, team to watch out for. Yeah, and we've spoken a lot um, on this episode about brilliant goals and Josh Tymon's goal against Forrest was brilliant, but in a different way to the Alex Mowat one. Um the build-up to it was just fantastic. It was a real team goal um, put on a plate for him um, by Mario Vrancic, who I, I think I mentioned last week as a, a player who could be a real diamond for the Potters this year. Um, but no, a really good start for them. And I think they've got Fulham up next, who have obviously made a brilliant start as well. But I, I don't think Stoke are going to you know, go into that with a lot of fear about it, because like you said, a very good win over Swansea, who... Might have had a lot of change, but they were playoff finalists last year. Um, as for Forest, we're going to come on to them, but a, a dominant win for Stokes, and they did what was required and got the job done. A little stat for you all, but Stoke are one in three teams to take up 10 points from the possible 12. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I don't know if I was necessarily expecting them to do this well at the start of the season. You look at it and you think, yes, it's only four games into the season. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
in the in the championship. There's still another 42 to go, and you've seen teams go up and down the leagues. But now they sold Collins at the start of the season. I think they've reinvested pretty well. But also, what have you made about their outgoes? Because they got rid of players like James McLean. Uh, there was someone else who's just completely lost my mind. John Obi McHale. There's another midfielder they got as well. They just sort of got rid of not not the Deadwood, but the players that maybe aren't performing, haven't been consistent enough, and they've put in. You know, like George said, players like Vrancic, players like Romain Sorridge, who's a great championship player, um, Sam Sorridge is, or Sturridge, I can't remember how he says his name. You know, these are championship level players that could get them into the Premier League once again. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, I'm going to know a bit more on the Vrancic one in particular, mm. given his Norwich pass. But when he left Norwich, I think a lot of our supporters, including myself, um, expected him to go back, um, go back to Europe, probably to Germany, where he's played most of his football in the past. So I think the fact that he's stayed in England and gone to Stoke suggests that they've said to him, we're, we're serious about this. We want to go back up to the Premier League. Um, that's why I think he's brought into that. And that's probably the sort of thing they've told all of their signings. And it's working so far. It's still early days, obviously, but good signs for sure. And their next, their next five includes Huddersfield, Barnsley, Derby, Hull and Preston North End. So we could be looking at in five weeks time as Stoke City really, really getting there after 10 games. Yeah, I think one thing I was also impressed with was that Notts Forest only had two shots the entire game, didn't have a single one on target. So they just completely nullified their attacking line. And the teams that you just mentioned there, I wouldn't say they're necessarily attackingly dangerous, if that's, if that's a phrase that even makes sense. So... Yeah, I think I think they could really put themselves in a playoff contention if they can win all their next five, or at least you know win three of them and get a couple of points on the other ones as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say about Forest's lack of shots. I've got a feeling they're they're fat. The Forest fans might put it down to more Chris Hutton's approach, mm, but um, yeah. th- th- that's a, an interesting debate, which I'm sure we will come on to. We're, we're, we'll get to that one, George. We'll get to that. Don't 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 do it. Don't do it first. We're going to cover. We're going to cover Forest's bit of rivals first because shock. They're a little bit more interested than Forest at the moment. Derby County, four points in a week. Relegation favourites. Nah, bro. We don't care. We're not that. We're not part of that life. Underdogs are us at Derby County. We'll definitely have that. A one-nil win over Stoke and a nil-nil draw against Borough. It ain't over pretty. Stoke. I thought it was. I thought oh, it was Hull. It is Hull. It is home. I'm so excited with Stoke. Um, I'm so excited with Stoke. I, I'm fuming at that that snafu. Um, a one 0 win over Hull and a 0 draw against Middlesbrough. It ain't pretty, but it's working. Yeah, it was uh, Sam Baldock on his debut with the winner at Hull, and he made 20 appearances last year for Reading. Didn't score at all, but he's clearly relishing life at Pride Park and why wouldn't he? I think they've kind of, it feels like they're up against everybody who's doubted them before the season. I think we probably all did. I know know we didn't kind of predict it, but I think whenever, before a ball was kicked and I saw a championship prediction for the division, I didn't see many that didn't have Derby in the bottom three, but they made a solid start, two clean sheets in a row, for Phil Jagielka and Curtis Davis at the back, a combined age of 75 years old, but they've still got it. You took my stat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you took my stat. And the first, it's their first clean sheet in the last like 10 championship games. 
Look at that. Easy peasy. Kemar Roos doesn't they... keep many clean sheets for Derby County. Who have they got coming up? Because that could be that could be a big sort of test. They're actually playing. Oh, a, te- a test? A, a test? I, I don't think they're going to get a test on Saturday. No, I'm, they a- I'm kidding. They actually play a Midlands bingo in the next four games. Um, they've got Nottingham Forest, Birmingham City, West Bromwich Albion and Stoke City. <laughs> Midlands bingo. That, that, that makes our life a lot easier to talk about the same teams in the same segment. So. Mm-hmm. It really does. It's so great. It's like they were just like, yeah, you guys are just getting back on your feet. You've now caught up with everybody's fixtures. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll make your lives a hell of a lot easier. But no, um, looking at that, obviously the, the Forest game is a massive game for Derby County at the weekend. Um, it is huge. It, it, it doesn't matter if they go down as long as they beat Forest at least once this year. Um, and the I, don't know, are- I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, I know it's important, but I, I think... The, the priorities are, are pretty balanced, I would say. You speak to a West Brom fan, they're just happy they beat Wolves last year. <laughs> um, anyway. Think but... they, they don't want to give, they don't want to be the team that gives Nottingham Forest hope. That's that's the thing, because if they get if they get a loss against them, both A, that drags Derby down the table, but B, maybe Nottingham Forest fans might not be too happy that uh, Hewton gets another chance. But uh, if they win, at least that's something next to his book if he does get sacks. They can at least say thank you for beating Derby. I think I, I think the one thing that is also maybe an issue for Derby, we've talked about this before, um, their squad is so thin. Uh, like between the, the whole game and the um, Borough game, they didn't make any changes whatsoever in, in terms of the starting 11. And they made the exact same three substitutes. So yeah, that, that means if they get an injury, it's curtains. But at the moment, they they've not. They just have to keep looking around the free market because a lot of players, if Derby start doing well, I see I say a lot. A few players, if Derby start doing okay, I think we'll be happy to sign six, eight, nine month contracts with an option of a further year if they stay up. If they have the money to do that, of course, because a reason that their squad is way for thin isn't just because of the embargo. It's because I don't know if their finances are brilliant either. So it does go both ways. But if they could just pick up those shrews signings throughout the season, because if it's on a free, I'm pretty sure you could do it any time. Uh, yeah, they should be. They should hopefully get some momentum from a derby perspective, anyway. But like you say, if Jaggy Elko inevitably gets an injury, then it could, it could be curtains once again. With the signing situation for Derby County as well, it's not as easy as money situations either. The EFL has to approve everything. So it's not just like they can do it like all of the clubs do. So if Birmingham City need a player and there's a player free like Jack Wilshire, for example, they can go, oh, Jack, do you want to come on an eight-month contract and we'll pay you this much money? Everyone goes, yeah, that's fine. But with Derby County, the EFL has to sanction everything. Yeah, very true. That that could be a stepping stone or a sort of hurdle that they have to get past. But I can't see them saying no to it. To be fair, I don't know what their regulations or the, what their rules or restrictions are around Derby. I don't know what they would have to do to, for a signing not to be approved. I'm pretty sure they'll know the parameters in which they're allowed to sign players. So anyone that they do go for, I'd imagine, or at least I'd hope if I was a Derby fan, they know that they can get them if they go in for them. Yep. Moving down across the Midlands, um, we will go to Nottingham Forest. Oh, Forest. You poor, poor soldiers. It's not really moving down, is it? It's just kind of across. across. 
Moving down the championship table to Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Forest, you poor, poor soldiers. A 2-1 defeat to uh, Blackburn Rovers and a 1-0 defeat to Stoke City, which we've already covered. Um, not a point in sight so far this season. Chris Hewton, many fans want him out. The negative football isn't really working for Forest or their fans. Guys, what's gone wrong? Yes, I'm happy to lean back on my chair for this one because when they went 1-0 up against Coventry on the first game of the season, I thought, yeah, my promotion prediction is already underway. And then they didn't win any of their games, enjoy any of their games. So you three, I'm going to sit back and just listen to why I was completely and utterly wrong. Well, it's, it's an interesting position they find themselves in, isn't it? Because this start that they've made four defeats from four mirrors the start that they made under Sabri Lamucci last year. After the fourth defeat, Lamucci was gone. And I know Forrest, at, at the end of the season before, they collapsed and they missed out on the playoffs somehow. So it kind of felt like that led into the start of the season and the poor start. Um, and this one is maybe different. Hewton's still in his job at the time that we speak. It's Tuesday, so we've got, what, four days until they head to Pride Park. It looks as if um, he's going to be in that dugout at Pride Park. Um, I think, to be honest, they'll almost be saying to him, if you lose this one, then you're done. Um, but I also think, if I was a fan, I would be thinking um, that I would like to have maybe a new man in charge or just a different face because you can sometimes get that dead cat bounce. I'm not sure, but it looks as if he will be the man in charge. If they do get rid of Chris Hewton, who's out there? Wilder, would he take it? He likes his control of his of his squad and of of what goes on around the club, doesn't he, Chris Wilder? That's what Sheffield United gave him. That's what he's been waiting for. He's been waiting for a club that will do that for him. Nottingham Forest, they've got the very shrewd owners. They've got fans that are as fickle as any anybody's. Like, would he take that? Would you? I wouldn't. If I was Chris Wilder at this present moment, so I think it's clear. I think it's clear Wilder wants a job, isn't it? He's he's certainly putting himself out there and. Uh, doing a, a fair bit of EFL punditry and what have you. Um, I'm not sure, really. I I don't know whether Forest fans are thinking that that much about the replacement at the moment. I think they're more um, they're more keen to just get Hewton out the door um, because, you know, it has gone a little bit rotten there. We should mention as well, though, going into Saturday's game, they've got James Garner back from Man United. Um, he's a man we raved about towards the back end of last season. Um, and given the start they've made, I'd be very surprised if he isn't thrown straight into the mix. He had a good pre-season as well with United, did Gardner. Um, I, he really did it very well. So, yeah, massive coup for them. Um, there was a couple of last-minute worries about wobbles about the, the signing of Gardner as well. So, to, to actually get him in through the door is very good. Um, we've got one more championship come to cover before Nikita goes through the rapid fire of it. Um, so... Let's all talk about Birmingham City. The inconsistent brother that we all thought might be has kind of come back. Um, I fall to Bournemouth 2-0, um, but when they normally fall to a side as good as Bournemouth, they definitely pick themselves back up. And I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm not gonna be funny. They absolutely battered Luton at the weekend. 
Yeah, 5 0, and a really good response, you have to say. I think Lee Bowyer, after the game, said it was the best performance he'd seen from any of his teams since becoming a manager. Um, so, yeah, they were really impressive. Scott Hogan got two um, to Heath Chong as well, who we mentioned last week. He looks like a really promising signing. Um, I think, how long ago was it when he kind of had a couple of, what was it, cup appearances for Man United? And I think he caught the eye a little bit then, but he's gone out on loan. He's going to get regular time at Birmingham. And in the short time that he has had so far, he's looked really, really good. So they look in a pretty good place, I would say. Would you have expected to get, would you have expected them to get anything against Bournemouth? Probably not. Um, but yeah, really good response at Luton. Yeah, I think he, Chong is really going to be a danger man for them this season. Um, and a lot of championship clubs don't really know how to deal with a, a winger that's that nippy and that that creative. 82% pass accuracy, four successful long passes, two shots on target, one clear-cut chance created and one assist. That is what is brilliant to see. When you've not been getting regular football apart from an under-23 level, you now jump up to the senior level and in a tough league that the championship is. It's really nice to see from a young player to, to do that. If you're a Man United fan, oof, it doesn't really matter. He's been another one that performed during pre-season before he gets loaned to Birmingham. So, yeah, if you're a Man United fan, happy days. Right, it is time. I'm so excited about this. George is excited about this. Harry's excited about this. Nikita is a bucket of nerves right now. Um, and so terrified. She has said that she's done it. She's done her own, uh, done her own practice, done it herself, and nailed it. Myself, Alex. Do you do you want to do you want to clarify to any listeners who maybe didn't hear last week when we introduced this what what Nikita's got to do? No, they should go back and listen to it, George. Don't give them a chance. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, what we what we decided to do before the beginning of this season, uh, now for brand new listeners, is um, for teams that. A kind of a little bit dead over the weeks. No, 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 I, no, I, no, I haven't no, really, no, no, really, no, no, really performed. But teams well. that necessarily didn't get the most interesting of results in the last week, we've um, done a different segment, a fresh segment. Alex, back to you. A fresh, <laughs> fresh segment that we have decided to call extra time. Um, we are going to give thirty seconds to a member of our team here. Uh, George did it last week to. Um, some success um, and some failure. Um, Harry will do it next week and it is Nikita's job this week. So Nikita, which championship club are you going to be covering in under 30 seconds? Uh, Coventry. Coventry City. Brilliant. Um, right then. Are I'm, you are you ready to you guys cover are Coventry make, City? I'm ready, but you, you guys are going to make me laugh. Okay. It's absolutely fine. Straight faces only. Are we? Are we saying? Are we saying that it's got to be within twenty-five to thirty seconds? Yeah, because it's kind of got to have that length to it. Is, is it, that it does? Yes, that is a very, very good point, George. I know we said that last week. That's but unfair because earlier in this podcast, I did tell you that I was really quick, but. I know you're not supposed to. You're not well, supposed to practice. It's, it's supposed to be off the cuff, isn't it? <laughs> off the cuff, brilliant stuff. Off the cuff, brilliant stuff. George, George is just getting proper bitter that he failed, and now they're getting a bite past it. Fails, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> right, Nikita, okay, right, are you ready? 
Yeah. Brilliant. Three, two, one, go. In midweek, Coventry won 1-0 against newly promoted Blackpool and over the weekend, the Sky Blues came from a goal behind to snatch all three points as they continued their winning start to the season with a 2-1 victory over Reading. Goals from substitutes Jamie Allen and Matty Godden in the 97th minute being the decider in the end. That's it. Done. I will, I will allow that one. George, you're going to be a little bit annoyed. I will allow oh, that. George, one. the football purist, is fuming in the crowd. Did you tell us? That's like twenty seconds. Because, because I've got, I've got on my clock twenty-four seconds. So it, okay. it, it is, it is one second underneath George's, George's George. approved time. But George, is, I did not time you. I did not time you last week. It was only Alex doing the time. This has become a war. <laughs> this is absolutely brilliant. Harry, you're, you're, you're so up against it next week, my friend. Yeah, especially with so George just staring George me down. George is going to be there. Nikki is going to be there. I'm there. Oh, man, this is brilliant. <laughs> right, I think that'll do for, for part two. In part three, we'll cover League One and League Two. Welcome back to part three, uh, where we cover League One and League Two. Um, Burton Albion, one 0 victory over Sunderland. Very good, good job, Burton Albion. We approve. Um, and then a three 0 loss against Cambridge. Oh, Tom Hamer, Tom Hamer, what? A I'm not going to accuse a player of match fixing. However, there's some, <laughs> there's some certain. There's some certain links here that don't look so very good, but no, I don't think he does. I think he's just had a horrendous afternoon. Oh, I, I felt I felt really sorry for him because it, it it wasn't like it was an avoidable own goal. I think both goals he was just trying to trying to get an interception in, and he kind of just mistimed them slightly. Um, and that can happen, kind of. It's just a real shame for him that it was both in the same game and in the same half. Um, but that's all right. I think he he's been a star performer for them up, you know, up until this weekend or the weekend just gone. So I I don't think he should feel too disheartened about it. But you can lose three 0 to a team as Wes Houlihan in it. It's it's going to happen, you know. He's he's way too good for that level, even at thirty eight years of age. But we Maybe should Norwich need him. We should praise Burton um, for their one 0 win over Sunderland, though, because. Sunderland had made a brilliant start and you know you would think they're going to be up there um Johnny Smith scored a really good goal in that game to win it um and I think if you'd said to Burton fans at the start of the season that after four games they'd be sitting in the top six I think they would have been pretty happy with that um and that's where they are so yeah speaking of Wes Hulan, did get the assist for the actual only Cambridge Cambridge goal yeah, but he, he got the assist for one of Hamer's OGs as right, well. Okay. He put the cross in. So I'm claiming two assists. Not that I'm, <laughs> you know, not that I'm too bothered about it. but I'm not too bothered about I it. Am, if needed I, to mention it. It needed to be there. It needed to be clarified. Wes Houlihan got two assists that game. <laughs> um, and obviously still has a, a full one-year deal with Cambridge United um, with an option to sign a further one and be 39 years old in League One. I love him so much. He's exceptional. Uh, Wes Hulan's brilliant. Anyway, we talked more about Wes Hulan than we did Burton. Um, yeah, top six, 
that's where realistically they should be aiming for this season, yeah. I think with the the budget that they've got, they're still overachieving. Like you look at the club overall. I think that's that's where we sort of not expect them, but in the preseason, when I was talking to one of my Portsmouth, one of my Portsmouth friends. I was saying, you know, don't Ooh, underestimate Burton because of their because <laughs> of their history in the league. I know, you know, there's Ipswich who are having a torrid time as well as Charlton. So my other two predictions probably weren't the best. But you look at Burton next up, they got they've got uh, Milton Keynes and then Cheltenham. You know, two games where they can get their run back underway. Yep. Um, moving on to League Two, um, Mansfield. Let's start with yous. Mansfield. Yes. Come on, the Stags. Some good, uh, good results for uh, Mansfield this week. Um, hey? uh, Sorry, <laughs> good results, uh, George. I don't, I don't, you, think, you I don't think Nigel Clough would agree with you. <laughs> I'm taking like in midweek. I'm taking that as a as a good result and unlucky, and they should have won that game. Last minute, ninety seven minute equaliser against you. No, I, I like that's just unfortunate. Um, like turning it around versus Bradford. And then immediately having it turned around against you, yep, that that that's a bad result and needs some work on it. Yeah, I'll give you that one. But the the midweek one, I will not allow you to. Have. Yeah, but conceding two two very late goals in two different games is not the sort of thing Clough would have wanted to see. And I, I think post match against Bradford in particular, he he was very disappointed. He said he thought he'd probably picked the wrong team. Um, he wasn't impressed with how his side had defended because in their two previous home games, um, two goals have been enough for them to win the game. They scored two goals again and they ended up with nothing from that one. So I think they'll be disappointed with their last week. But the fact that they're out of the EFL Cup might maybe be a blessing going into next week. They've got a full week now to recover, learn from where they went wrong against Bradford um, and go to Swindon on the weekend and look to get back to winning ways. Right. Now it's time for our second section of extra time. Um, this is the full-time extra time. So nine minutes have now come. We will now be doing extra time. Um, so the two teams that are going to be featured in today's League Two extra time are Nikita. Port Vale and Warsaw. Kidoki. Which one will we, we be discussing first? I'm going with Bale. We're going with Port Bale. Yeah. Um, right. Then. So Port Bale, uh, Port Bale. You have thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. You you realistically have to be between twenty five and thirty. <laughs> Not only am I going to be timing it, George obviously is as well. So, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So football purist. Okay. Nikita, are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. Okay. In League Two, following a nominal draw against Carlisle in midweek, Vale faced Stevenage over the weekend. A goal from Vale's Devante Rodney in the first 20 minutes was quickly cancelled out by Luke Norris's equaliser from 25 yards out. The host had majority of the chances throughout the game, with Vale having bursts of energy towards the end. A point evenly shared and back-to-back draws for the Valiants. I'm done. You know, that was really good. Was it? That I want to see really George Wilson's reaction. George, I want your I want your opinion. I, I felt like my I was stopwatch is on twenty four again, but I'll 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 <laughs> let I'll let Nikita have it. George, I think you got a faulty stopwatch, lads. Twenty six <laughs> seconds. I were like 
I'll, I'll accept George's. And then if we if we do a mean of 26 and 24, we'll start. Oh, it's 25. Look at that, Nikita Upas. Brilliant. There we are. Two and two for you. Beautiful stuff. And then now. I think I'll fail at all, so I'm not going to lie. I timed myself and this was significantly shorter. Well, it's <laughs> But I'm yeah, it's it's just speak very slowly, and I then think, George can't get you. I, I, I think we legitimately have one fan that downloads our podcast for it. That's a Walsall fan, um, because I, I, I think I think they got a little bit sick of us bullying Walsall last year. So um, yeah, that one fan that likes Walsall, um, we still love you. Um, and Nikita is going to do justice by your team in three, two, one, go. This one's for you. In midweek, Warsaw drew one all with Scunthorpe, and over the weekend they suffered a defeat against Hartlepool, who for the second consecutive oh second successive game had Tyler Burry on the score sheet. The Saddlers have now only managed to collect one point in the opening twelve available in League Two. That's it. Yeah, that that's a fail, unfortunately, Nikita. <laughs> that's a fail. I expected it. It's okay. That was that was legitimately fifteen seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Um, I do feel I do feel bad for Warsaw fans because it was legitimately fifteen seconds. So I'm going to ask the question to the to the panel, and then we'll finish today's podcast. Okay, we'll finish today's podcast with a panel with a panel question. Okay, will Matty Taylor last the season? Probably not. Yeah, no. it's, uh, the start has been. A bit worrying, isn't it? As as Nikita's just mentioned there, I I don't know. I I hope he gets more time, as I said last week. But um, early signs not great. No, I don't think he'll stay. Brilliant. There we are. Uh, Warsaw fans, you're getting a new manager at some point this season. Gone to the Midlands Football Show. That'll do for today. Um, as it has been a chaotic podcast, um, as we always do. We will be back at the same time next week. Um, where we will cover the league fixtures and some teams' Carabao Cup action um, there for you. Until next time, um, I'm Alex Wood. Goodbye from me. Goodbye, Mr. Harry Tizard. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miss Nikita Gomes Henschel. Goodbye, everyone. And uh, goodbye, Mr. George Wilson. Cheers, Alex. See you next week. Bye.